comics. God damn, I'm drunk. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome back to the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. I'm Dale. And uh, happy holidays to all y'all listening. Uh, we're a bit lit up and uh, we're, we're going to celebrate the, the Thanksgiving season by giving some thanks to Wizards for the things that they've done for us and uh, creating this lovely game that we all enjoy so much. Uh, so Dale, I think we can both agree that we're going to give thanks for the year of Commander. Indeed. Uh, it's been a crazy year for Commander. Uh, so many different new cards printed, uh, all of which we'll probably see some play. And uh, we're, we're excited about that. We've just, we're in mid-Commander Legends season right now. We just got the cards last week. So that's pretty dope. But I think it's time we give some not thanks to. You know, <laughs> um, I think it's time to... Kind of let's let's just muse on how wizards could do a little better for the consumer. Now we're talking the average consumer, not the whales, like me. I think one of the biggest things, Dale, I know you want to talk about is secret layers. So go ahead. Yeah, so I mean I like secret layers. I like the cards that are in the secret layers. But I don't like the way that secret layers are presented to the consumer by cutting out the local game stores and making it so that you're just buying the secret layers directly from Wizards, I think is a huge... Uh, fail. Is a huge fail, yeah. I mean, to me, it's definitely a product that I won't buy at all until they make it available to the local game store to purchase X amount and then I can buy it off of my LGS. I'm not going to buy the product, and I think they really dropped the ball on that, and it's kind of just rude to game stores that have really propped this game up to you know, cut them out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, over the last 20-plus years, the only way that, you know, up until the last five or so, the only way that you could reliably receive magic products was by going to your local game store, or, I mean, you could go to a big box store, but it definitely doesn't have the same vibe, you know? Yeah. But... I mean, I, for one, am probably still going to buy the secret layers. But I'm a whale. You know this. And I, will, I would be happy to buy them from local game stores. You know, you know shout out to our, uh, our sponsor, Comics Vault. Neil, you're a beast. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I support local game stores 100%. And, I, you know, I'm a whale, so I, I spend a, a good amount of money on this game. But I, I do enjoy the secret layers. I mean, it's hard for me to talk shit on them, honestly, because they're, they're a product that I want and am willing to spend the money on. So, like, the first one that they released yesterday, I believe, the, the preview, was the Seb McKinnon secret layer. Yeah. I love Seb McKinnon. If you've heard any of these previous shows, you know that I am an, a Seb McKinnon simp 100%. Uh, I love every piece of art that he's ever done. The Damnation looks disgustingly good. And uh, just from reading the process of how the Secret Lair came into being, they basically told Seb, hey, you can pick any four cards that you want and do the art for them, however you want. No art direction. You do whatever you want. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty. He said it was like the commission, the dream commission. You know, pick four cards in Magic's history and do art for them. That's awesome. So, the Damnation, I think, was a an absolute hit for Seb's art. It's very grim. It's very visceral. I love it. Um, Enchanted Evening was pretty cool. Um, Sower of Temptation was actually 
kind of tied into the swamp. I don't know if you saw the swamp. Mm. The swamp has like a wandering knight errant uh, in it. Very small. It's hard to see. But just a part of the composition, you can see a knight. And then that knight shows up in Sower of Temptation being charmed by the fae. Ah, yeah, that's cool. So it was pretty neat. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I definitely seen that uh, as soon as it was being spoiled or released, you know, the art. I was like, you know, that is one of the secret layers. Of all of the secret layers, the Theros uh, Stargazers and then the Seb McKinnon ones are ones that I really, really do want to purchase. But I'm just, you know, out of spite, not going to. But, I mean, yeah, Seb McKinnon total beast and one of my favorite artists in magic he's just got that art where like nowadays magic art seems to really kind of blend together there are you know obviously people out there that do the art that are stand out and seb mckinnon is definitely one of those artists where you look at a card you know instantly that it was seb mckinnon i mean if it it follows in the vein of like if you look at mark teeden yeah. You can tell that it's a Mark Teeden card. Yeah. Rebecca Gway. Quentin Hoover. Quentin Hoover, absolutely. Uh, uh, Therese Nielsen. I mean, I mean, fuck Therese Nielsen, but you can tell that <laughs> well, a Therese legit. Nielsen card is a Therese Nielsen card. Yeah. Um, and the, then that same way, Seb McKinnon has kind of... I think it's a... What's that? Rebirth? It's a grave rebirth or something where the dude's like coming out of the the water with his sword and he's like melting behind him. Yeah. That was one of the first cards that I was like, holy crap. You know, I had seen Seb McKinnon art before and then Bedevil and things like that. I was like, like just looking at the the art from this is just absolutely insane. But uh, back to shit talking secret layers. Yeah, that's our Thanksgiving for Seb McKinnon. Yeah, we thank you, Seb McKinnon, for being a beast, an absolute beast. The Mythos series in Ikoria, where you like painted on like wood with charcoal and shit. Yeah. Insane. In absolutely insane. Make sure you go check out Sub McKinnon's uh, actual website and you can check out all of his other art that is outside of the yeah, magic world. And he does it's Kickstarters awesome. all the time. Uh Seb McKinnon simp one hundred percent right here. <laughs> but uh as far as secret layers go, like I said, I will probably still end up picking up like the Seb McKinnon one and stuff like that. But I do agree with you 100% on the fact that cutting local game stores out of this equation is like shooting yourself in the knees. It's like these institutions have helped you from your, you know, from your infancy when you were just a, a tiny little card game on the West Coast. You know, Richard Garfield, you know, not necessarily printing stuff out of his garage, but you understand what I'm saying, you know, yeah. seeing that kind of stuff. Local game stores have always been the crux of where you can get 90, 90% of your magic stuff. And not only do local game stores purvey your product, they also give people uh, the space and to play with each other. And obviously not right now. You know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic hellscape. But um, Especially in uh, to our non-American listeners, I know you know we are an American uh, podcast, and uh, please help. Uh, but anyway, the the overall shunning, I would say, of local game stores from this product. I mean, the only product that they were allowed to get was the super ultra hyper, whatever the fuck it was the called, Fetchlands. Yeah, the Fetchland one, super yeah. secret layer, and then you could only get like two, unless yeah. you're a premium store, where you could get ten or something like that. And then you got the little uh, April Fool's 
yeah. promo one. So it really, it really chaps my ass. It yeah. really does. It stings. It's just a, you know, just a blow that it's like, man, really? You're going to, you guys got to do that? Like, you guys, they make hand over fist, like, profits. I mean, And know? it's just a way to spread the money around. It's like these game stores are suffering the most, you know. 90% of their base wants to come in and sit down and play Magic the Gathering. And in a ton of places, you can't do that. You know, or you shouldn't do that. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And the fact that they're saying we don't want to share our money with you even though you are the ones who help us gain most of our our money is Which, insane to me. I, I just don't understand the philosophy. Like, honestly, it it's just weird. Like, are they... There's a little margin of profit that they're losing out on if they sell it to the distributor and then the distributor sells it to the game store. Like, is it that big of a chunk of profit that they lose by doing that versus the people just going directly on their website and buying it? Because, to me, they're probably going to have more sales if local game stores are allowed to purchase the product local game stores are going to purchase probably quite a bit of the secret layers versus the individual who you know might only be able to buy two the local game store might be like i'm gonna buy 50 of these you know so i feel like they'd make more money if they were allowing the sales to game stores but okay so i'm in the food industry and one of the ways that you make a chunk of change is through impulse, right? If I create a, a special for the night that, you know, looks and smells delicious and is a decent price, I'm going to sell that special until I run out, you know, which gives it the air of exclusivity. It right. says, if I don't buy this right now, I'm not going to get it again. Yep, which is that? Which is what? Yeah, exactly. Fear of missing out, if you're unfamiliar. So they put these arbitrary time limits on these secret layers to say, oh, you have 48 hours to order, you know, secret layer McShit, and after that, it's over. And after that, you'll have to rely on secondary market sources, eBay, private sellers, things like that, and they're gonna they're gonna jack the price up, you know, 100. Yeah, definitely. You know. Like, just for example, from the first layer drop, OMG Kitties, right, was projected to be one of the least expensive in the long run. It's now $150, almost the same amount as the entire drop. Yeah, well, with that one, I would just say that's honestly bad insight, in my opinion, because, like, cats is, like, a pretty huge tribe in Magic. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. a lot of players oh, play cat tribal. So a lot of people are eventually going to be like, oh, yeah, I got my cat tribal deck. I've been playing it for a while. I want to spice it up. Let me get those secret layer cards, you know? So I feel like cats is, like, a good tribe one. And, could... and that being a print-to-demand product, the demand was super low because everyone specced low on it. The uh, Kaleidoscope Killers, I think. The yeah. three, it was like Reaper King, uh, the Sliver, Overlord, Sliver Overlord, and one other card. Ur-Dragon? Yeah, the Ur-Dragon. Those three cards were projected to be one of the highest. So it was those got bought up hand over fist. And right after release, they were almost 25% more expensive on the secondary market. Now they're the least expensive. 
and OMG kitties, because of it being a print-to-demand product, there's less of it out there. Yeah. You know? And I bought the first layer drop, and I bought the Thera Stargazing, and I bought the secret layer Fetchland, and I, you know... And, like, I enjoy collecting sealed product, but one of the things that really gets me is the fact that the kid who really wants OMG kitties isn't going to be able to get that. You know, imagine starting, you know, whenever someone starts playing Magic, yeah. usually they have a pet uh, archetype or color or tribe or something like that. You know, it's either green stompy or burn or black or life loss or, or yeah, something yeah. like that. And if they want to get into commander or something of that nature, and they're like, I love cats, and they want to get OMG kitties, well, they got to pay one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> to get those, you know, digitally drawn cat cards. Yeah. And I think if local game stores were given the option, they would have definitely carried a back stock of these products. And sold them at a reasonable price. Yeah. Because Wizards doesn't benefit from the secondary market. You know? They say they ignore it. They don't. <laughs> you know? And... Secret layers is a testament to them not... You know, not ignoring the... Exactly. The secondary. So. so... I think they missed out, as you said, on a huge chunk of change by breathing, breeding this exclusivity mindset that says, if I don't get this within the next two days, I will never get it. And if I do want to get it, I'm going to have to pay out my ass. Yeah. Uh, not to continue to uh, beat this dead horse, I'll, I want to move on to uh, MSRP. Okay. Absolutely. I think this is a huge, I mean absolutely huge problem. And that if Wizards is listening to this, which they probably aren't, but they need to go back to putting an MSRP on products because, I mean, it's ridiculous. Some of the markups that I see before a product comes out are just absolutely asinine. Like, just crazy amounts of markups. Like, 100%. 200% markups on, on products. And it's just like, dude, you know, they said that this product is going to be in this price range. Then they show what's in the product, and then all of a sudden, boom, the prices jack way up there. It's like, really? Come on. What did you think was going to happen by getting rid of MSRP? Is all those people who are in it to flip it and make money and don't care about the game, that's all they're going to do? A good a good allegory is the the PlayStation 5 debacle right now. Yeah. You know, that secondhand scalper retailers have a higher stock of PS5s than stores. Yeah. You know, like an online scalper group for PS5s, 3,500 PS5s, how many they have. Because they use bots and things to, to clear out local merchandise and, you know, basically vacuum the market of anything yeah. that is comparable. So the invisible hand of the market, you know, what, whatever they thought it was going to do, I can guarantee you, was done in the absolute opposite way. Taking away MSRP, which I don't think, I, I can't think of a way that it actually made Wizards money. I can't think of a decision or a reason why they would do it themselves fiscally. 
I don't know if they did it to strictly support game stores. But then again, if you're trying to charge me $150 for a box that you paid $90 for, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Like, like I, I follow... Like sealed pricing and things like that, and distributor pricing, and luckily we have we are lucky enough, Dale, to have insight into that through Neil. Yeah, I agree. And he's very transparent with the way that things are priced from the distributor, and he always, every time, gives a fair assessment of of an amount of profit margin that he makes. That's what really has got me so honestly pissed about this whole MSRP removal is the fact that. You know, I have somebody that shows me, you know, how much they pay for products and how much it costs. Now, granted, I get it. You know, if you're in Europe or Canada or whatever, the prices are going to be different. Or even if you're in a different state, prices might be different, you know, that you're paying your distributor for product. But for the most part, we can generally agree that the price that the local game stores are getting at is a lot cheaper than what they charge for. And there's good local game stores that are fair and charge you a fair price for the product and then there's a lot of people that take advantage of it and i've gotten in a lot of debates online with with game stores that you know post a product for sale for a price that is just ridiculous and i know what the local game stars are paying their distributors to get this product and i'm just like yo man what the hell that's totally messed up to just be trying to rip people off you know like and i mean there there's like the the argument of free and free sale like it's the it's the free market they can charge whatever they want yeah and it's the honestly it's the people buying it at that price that are really sabotaging the rest of the the industry because when one group sees that, you know, just for example, Star City Games. Star City Games charges, you know, $350 for that secret layer fetch land when they reveal it, you know, and people start pre-ordering that. Well, that gives every single local game store the go-ahead to just inflate their price. Well, you don't like it? That's what Star City Games is selling it for. Yep. You know, and even if it's like that product in particular was absolutely overblown. Yeah. And the fact the fact that you know Neil you know sold it at the price that he did was it it just doubles me down that I will never shop at another local game store other than the Comics Vault. You know, the dude always has the interests of his community because he knows that the community is where he gets the money. And he never tramples on that community, ever. In fact, I think we have it better, Dale, we have it better than 90% of, you know, the country. I think so, too. I mean, <laughs> I've been to a lot of game stores, and, yeah, like, same. everywhere else, the prices are inflated. Everywhere. So. And, you know, I, whenever I'm about to ask, you know, Neil for a pre-order for something, I always say, you know, what do you think it's going to run me? And then Neil just always says, hey, man, I don't know what my distributor is going to charge me because I had to put a blind order in. You know, I'll let you know when I get the invoice. And he's always transparent. He's always fair. And that MSRP was was really a guide stake for, you know, local game stores to kind of just say, hey, this is what we believe is a fair price. Sometimes the MSRP was a little messed up. 
Yeah. But it is what it is. It, There's like, a reason why it's a manufacturer-suggested retail price. It doesn't mean you have to sell it at that, but it gives a baseline for the the consumer to go, oh, well, they're suggesting you sell it for 90 Well, why are you selling it for 110 You know? And obviously, they probably have a reason why they're selling it for more than what it should be, and they should be able to say, explain that to you. Oh, hey, you know, well, in this region, you know, so everything is just a little bit more expensive, you know. And, and a lot of a lot of game stores fall victim to the "I'm the store and I don't answer to you." Yeah. So it's like, why are you selling this for you know twenty percent above what the manufacturer suggests retail price is? And and they'll just straight up tell you to go go buy something somewhere else. Yeah. You know, like I I don't see the validity in that, but yeah, I I really think that. It really took a step in the wrong direction to remove MSRP, which has kind of let the vultures just, you know, free feast. Yeah, definitely. So, in in short, I think MSRP should come back. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it just definitely helps. It helps the customer not get ripped off. It helps build trust between yeah. us and wizards, you yeah. know. It's like if they're saying that they should be, you know, this should be $21 for this, you know, three pack of cards or for whatever, you know, you and it's not being sold for that, you know, they you at least know that this was the original suggested asking price. Yeah. It gives you a little more information to make your decisions. The biggest thing I can think of is the Commander uh, Green Commander Green oh, book yeah. that's supposed to yep. come out where Gavin on video says these will be comparable in price and cards to a spell book. Spell books are $20. And now that it's getting close to these uh, the commander collection coming out, all of a sudden they're 80. You know, I've even seen places 100. Like which is I, crazy. Yeah, it's like what I spell thought, book are you buying? Yeah, well, like I'm like the spell books are twenty bucks. You know, like if there was an MSRP on that product that was saying, "Yep, this is comparable to a spell book." MSRP thirty dollars. That's comparable to a twenty dollars spell book. Then yeah, then people would be able to go. Well, you know, Wizards is saying. This product's supposed to be $30. Why are you charging 100 Yeah. Like... Absolutely. You know? And now it just sucks because the cards in that product, Sylvan Library's in there, which is an expensive card. And as soon as that dropped, that's when the the cost of the product went up to $80 because they seen, oh, there's a, you know, $50, $60 card in there. Uh, we're going to charge this much for the product now, which that defeats the purpose of it. Of a reprint. Yeah. The, the product is supposed to be... Here's a you know a twenty thirty dollar spell book. We're gonna print a ton of them. Everybody has access to it. It gets good cards, brings the price down. And you can look at clear examples of this throughout Magic's history. You can look. My favorite, by far, Jace the Mind Sculptor. That motherfucker has like eight printings. Still a fifty dollar card. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Eight printings. Like, Kodama's Reach has less printings <laughs> than Jace the Mind Sculptor. Is it a mythic? Yeah, sure. 
eight printings over you know X amount of of years. There's just got to be some there has to be a dude, yeah. just a horde of it. There has to be a dude with like ten thousand Jaces, dude. There's no way. How? Where is the? Who is supporting the bubble? Yeah, because we we were. I was waiting for the bubble to pop. The Jace bubble. They they released it again for Double Masters, and I'm like, all right, this has to be it. This has to be the Jace bubble pop. Nope, sell fifty bucks. Like how? Yeah. Who who is the man out there pre-ordering five hundred Jaces just to keep the bubble afloat? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. They're like they're like a dragon just hoarding gold, yeah. but they're hoarding Jace and Mind Sculptor. Like you know, when you look at things like that, you know, even back when there were two printings, the 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 secret layer or not? Oh my god. The Vault, from the Vault from 20, the vault, yeah. from the Vault 20, and World Wake. Only two printings of Jace at that point. And then it was like, Modern Masters just printed the crap out of them. And then Eternal Masters printed the crap out of them. And then Double <laughs> Masters printed the crap out of them. And then X and Y, and it's just like, yo, like, yeah, this isn't affecting the price at all. Like, I understand where they want to go. Mana Crypt, another thing. Yeah. Like four or five printings now. Yep. And that's always going to be an $80 card. Because people don't want to think that they're going to lose value ever. Yeah. So even if the market floods with mana crypts, they're all going to be $80 mana crypts. And, and everyone thinks they can get away with that just because their Wizards has no control of the secondary market. And same with these Commander Collection Green. You put Sylvan Library in there, which is a f- like forty from Anthology or Chronicles and not Chronicles. The original from Legends is like eighty something. Yeah, and then the, the Chronicles one's like forty five, fifty. Yeah, and then you put that in there, and then it's immediately like, oh, I can charge this because that's what the old printings are worth. Like, yeah. no, my dude, there's literally going to be a factory only printing this card for like a week. Yeah. So, like, they had the Eternal Masters reprint of Sylvan Library. Yeah, that's right. And, and, the, like, and the, the Commander's Arsenal. Yeah. There was a Commander's Arsenal in the... There's quite a few printings of that, and that card is just still expensive. And, like, I understand, you know, that good cards are going to be sought out, especially, like, if they're viable in multiple formats. And then a format like Commander, where, like, Commander is so much different than regular formats. Like, a normal format where you're playing competitively, you're going to GPs, you're doing this. You have your one deck. You know, you're building that deck, and you have that deck for a long time. You play it, and you you tweak your sideboard or whatever, and you play the events. And you have the deck for a long time until the meta fully changes and you have to build a new deck. But in Commander... You can have 15 decks. So people are like, I got to have five to six copies of this card that costs this much. So, like, you're taking, (laughs) you know, some people are like, I need 15 copies of Sylvan Library. That's 15 out of the market versus a normal, like, 60-card deck that might only be a two of, you know, or three of or something. Yeah. So, like, Commander definitely drives the price of cards up, especially if they're good cards. So, like, the only way to really, like, I think mitigate the problem would be to, like, see the transparency, see the print runs for if it's a card like, say, Jace the Mind Sculptor, let's see the numbers on how many Jace the Mind Sculptors have been printed 
in entirety in every set how many of them have been printed is it five million you can like find how, that out there are reddits for that like how many are there like yeah if there's people out there Track, you know tracking well, all that no like uh like uh rudy at alpha investments yep. he gets a sheet with the print run that says there will be this many boxes of this card produced right and just from probability of rares on commons commons mythics you can Get you can rough. postulate yeah. what, how many there's going to be, right? Right. So he gets that, extrapolates the data, and then says, "Okay, I know that in Double Masters, this many Jason the Mind sculptors were printed, roughly, give or take X, you know." And it's 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 really ridiculous. Like, and then you'd have to extrapolate then, like, roughly how many people are playing the game. Wizards claim somewhere around 20 million people play Magic. So, if you use that number, 20 million people playing Magic, and how many of, like, said card are being played? Are they playing 60 card and using four ofs or what? So, yeah. it, it gets kind of really hard to track that. But, like, still... There should be a way for Wizards of the Coast to easily be like, yeah, we know how many of this card that we've printed, and we know for a fact that the card sells for this much on the secondary market because they look at the secondary market, they know. And they can figure out a way to print it so that it brings the price down. And if the price only comes down for five years... That's totally okay. I'm totally fine with that. If you drop the price of a, a really rare or mythic card for five, six years, eventually more player base is going to come to the game, and it's going to eventually dry that out again and bring the price up. But if you're printing out a set, and within like one month the price is right back to where it is, then that's you've just done like, nothing. Yeah, it's yeah, like you've you absolutely done print nothing. it again, print those cards right again. Like we need a secret layer mana crypt. That's just five copies of Mana Crypt for, <laughs> yeah. for, for 60 bucks. five copies of Mana Crypt. I'd, yeah. I'd, buy, I'd buy a few. Yeah. Like, I mean, I did like the fact that they did Double Masters and Mystery Boosters Mana Crypt. Yeah. Like, I like that back and to Eternal back. Masters. And, like, yeah. And, I mean, the price is still up there, so, like, we need to see another one. We need another reprint of it. Yeah, it's it's a book promo, judge judge promo. Eternal Masters, Mystery Boosters, Double Masters. That's five printings. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the book promo and the judge promo, untouchable up until three years ago. You know? It was like, judge promo, 300 bucks. Book promo, 200 bucks. You know? The fact that it's come to an $80 card, non-foil, regular, is good. It's good, but... It, it's got to be more. You're never going to see people getting into magic and having a mana crypt to start. Ever. Yeah. You know, it's like... I was I, I was the poor sap who literally within the first like two weeks of playing magic ripped open a mana crypt. Immediately flipped it for 90 bucks. But looking back, I wouldn't have done that. But at the time, I was like, oh, this card's worth $90 and I don't really have a collection. So I'm going to boost my collection by selling this. And so, then buying cards. And then I bought more cards. But Yeah. That's a natural that's a natural thing to think whenever you're just getting into the, the f- magic as a game. But hindsight, I totally well, would have been yeah. like, I'm keeping this. Hindsight's twenty twenty, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah, just MSRP needs to be like reinstated and 
just to stop just to stop shady stores from bilking the shit out of out of players. It just we're here listen, I'm here to spend money on cardboard with prick pictures printed on it to play with my friends. You know? And that's if if any if you tell anybody who plays magic, what are they there for? They're there to like play the game of magic. And there's a very small, small, small subset of collectors who don't play and only collect. And it really only hurts the majority of Magic players when MSRP is gone. I agree. All right, so I think we've droned on for like 15 minutes about fucking MSRP. Yeah, we beat that one up. <sighs> uh, I could beat it. I, <laughs> yeah, we could keep beating yeah, it. Yeah, but... it's just like, it, it, it makes me really angry. But um, I think the last thing I want to touch on is um, Wizards, I love the fact that you did the Year of Commander, and it has been a wild ride. You know, we've had, we're going to have upwards of eight Commander decks by the end of the year, or whatever it is. I don't know the total. I think four, five, six, yeah, it is eight. Two with Theros Beyond, or two with uh, Zendikar, two with uh, that, and then five with the Commander set. Yep. I thought it was four. No. It was five. Nine. So there was nine Nine, Yeah, so nine nine commander decks. So thank you for the year of commander. Nine commander decks. A whole commander set, Commander Legends, which is cherry. I love it. I I think Commander Legends, great set. Please stop printing things for commander. That's all I ask. Um, I agree. The format was at its... You know, I'm not saying that it's not at its peak. It has probably more players than any other format right now, and that was confirmed... Commander is the biggest demographic, you know, because like we've said over and over on this show, if you play modern, if you play standard, if you play vintage, if you play legacy, you are playing commander. You probably have a commander deck somewhere at your house just because, you know, if you want to grind out after an event or if you just want to play a day two that you didn't make, you want to go to commander events and shit like that. Nearly all the players that I know that even play mainly legacy and modern they all have commander decks. Yeah. It was the format was more avant-garde and allowed more things whenever you weren't printing products that specifically catered to it. Let us figure it out. Just print regular stuff. We'll do the rest. Like th- the base of commander is so huge that I think if we put our brains together, we can figure out uses for new cards that are good in standard and good in modern or good in legacy or or good in vintage and all of those aka euro and <laughs> and and we can figure those out for commander without your help you know i remember in 2011 like having a commander discussion at a sh- at a shop that is now defunct called house of cards and they were talking about this dude's um Avison Angel of Hope deck. And he was like, dude, one of the best cards is uh, Blinding Priest, which is literally a tap and tap target creature. He's like, yeah, dude, this, this card saved me so many times, blah, blah, blah. It's a common from Avison. Restore, Avison Restored. Like, it wasn't a, if you control your commander, cast this for free, then tap it because it has haste. It's a 5-4. It searches for you for a land and exiles a creature when it enters the battlefield. You don't need to do that. 
It, like, yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I would rather not have. I, listen, I don't want to build a Sakashima Kark the Thumbless deck, partnered so that I can cast infinite, uh, infinite commander free spells. Like, you know, I don't want to do that, but I'm gonna because you printed it. Like, I can cast Deflecting Swat an infinite number of times. Yeah. Because I can, you know, do all this crap. I didn't need that. I would have found a way to do it. You know, it's just like, I love Commander, and I love this game, and I, I've been playing this game for 20 years. Stop. Please. I'm begging you, stop printing Commander-centric products in the volume that you do at the pushed power levels that you do. I love Commander, I love Gavin Vary, and I love the set Commander Legends. But I think I can... I, Speak for a decent amount of people, and, and especially some of the personalities that have put out, you know, videos and podcasts about this exact same thing. This was a set full of things that no one asked for. Hull Breacher. Hull Breacher was about to win a vintage championship. Yeah. Like, with, with Hull Breacher and Opposition Agent, my number one thing is they should have been white. White is the color that... You guys never, Wizards, you guys never seem to ever give solid support. Like, ever. You know, white needs cards. And then you just give blue and black these cards that already do what <laughs> those cards do so well. And then you just make them that much better. Yeah. And it's like, they should be white. And, like, and, not, and like I said, not that I don't love the Commander Legends set. But after this, just take your foot off the gas. Yeah. Please. Let give us have, have some faith in us as the players to figure out the broken interactions to figure out all this stuff without you having to hand tailor it to our experience. You know, like you printed a functional black lotus that made it through R and D that made it through testing. All right, what's next? Yeah, like the RC said on day one of Commander Legends spoilers after Jeweled Lotus. We are not banning this card. We knew it was coming. Right? And in that same vein, this card was still printed. This card that is a functional Black Lotus for your commander. You can now own one of the most high-powered cards in Vintage. The most iconic magic card of all time. The Black Lotus for your commander. We didn't need it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm yeah. not grateful. I'm not saying that... I'm not going to pick up four copies. Yeah. I'm just saying it's unnecessary. Like, I'm definitely going to... I'm already running the Jeweled Lotus and Urza. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I turn one Urza and then have more mana, like, three more mana, to be able to drop three more spells, draw a bunch of cards, and just go off on turn one, sure, I'm going to do that because I'm going to be playing it in my competitive, competitive commander deck. But the problem is, is that we don't need more fast mana and high power we don't need the high powered the fast mana stuff in commander anymore you guys have printed ample amounts of it and it's just to the point now where it's like i really hope that this was the year of commander and that we can go five or six years without anything like this again because this is going to affect the entire format yeah like heavily so please do not continue to make commander legends or sets that revolve around we're gonna make these cards for commander we don't care what happens in the standard format we're just printing cards for commander players to buy 
Omnath. Garbage. Like, that card is way overpowered. Like, it's it's if, broken standard, and it's annoying in Commander. If you were to say 10 years ago, if you were to look me in the eyes while I'm playing my shitty Rees the Redeemed Commander deck at the House of Cards and my kitchen table, if you were to look at me and tell me the Omnath that would be printed in Magic, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. I would have been like, that's too broken. That's too powerful. But it's just, right now, it's it's so run-of-the-mill. Because it's just like, eh, just ban it in standard, it's fine. Yeah. We're literally to the point where it's like, we need a Kamigawa. We need, like, four Kamigawa sets that are so underpowered that, like, just bring the game back. Reel it in a little bit, and then, like, slowly build up after that again. More cards have been banned in the last two years than in the past 20. Yeah. Like, combined. Like... If you think about it, it's it, it's mind blowing. Yeah. The amount of standard modern legacy bands, vintage limitations. You know what else is limited and vintage? Fucking Black Lotus. Yeah. Like if something goes on the same power level as Black Lotus and gets limited and vintage, do you know how powerful that is? Yeah. Extremely. And the fact that like things get flat out banned, like. Luris, Luris the Dream Den got banned in Vintage. Yeah, let me let me let me let me spin you a little yarn. If you're not familiar with Vintage, if for the fact I can play my Black Lotus out of my hand and Luris is in my sideboard, I can turn one, play Black Lotus, crack Black Lotus, cast Luris, play Black Lotus from my graveyard for free. And if the opponent doesn't have a Force of Will, sorry, bud, that's happening. <laughs> You know, you're going to get a 3-2 lifelinker with that ridiculous ability on turn one, and there's not a thing you can do about it if you don't have Force of Will. Get over it. Yeah. You know? And just stop printing Commander-centric cards. It's not that hard. Print, listen, print, uh, print, uh, let's see, New Phyrexia to, to Kaladesh power level. Again. Right? That yeah. was a good time in Standard. I played Standard. I know it's heresy, but I played Standard during that time. And that's all I'm asking is just please, please. If we're, we've given you thanks for Thanksgiving, right? We've given you thanks for all the things that you've given us. Now, if I can ask for my Christmas wish list, <laughs> please do not print anything else for Commander like Commander Legends, please. That's what I want from Santa. No more Commander Legends-esque sets. Gavin Verry did a, did a great job. I'm not saying the draft environment isn't insanely cool. I'm not saying the cards aren't, you know, wanted and appreciated. I'm just saying we didn't need them. Yeah. You know, that's like Bill Gates picking up a $20 bill on the side of the, restri- on the, side of the street. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't need it. He's right. still going to do it. He's still going to pick it up. Yeah. But he doesn't need it. Yeah, I definitely, if we're talking uh, Christmas wish lists now, like now that uh, Thanksgiving is past and we're on to Christmas wish lists, definitely mine is going to be, can we please go back to when we had uh, masterpieces in packs, in regular boosters, like we had in Amonkhet, Hour of Devastation, Kaladesh, original Zendikar expeditions 
can we please go back to that? Like, I love collector's boosters, and I know a ton of people do, and I'm not saying get rid of collector boosters at all. I love collector's but boosters. But I'm saying, <laughs> you know, take some of the cards that you print, because you're already printing them for collector's boosters, and randomly slot them into one pack in every, like, four booster boxes so that you could still be cracking a booster box, a draft booster box, that is, and pull a full art foil, whatever it is, whatever yeah. you have, you know? Like, because it is really, you know, depressing to be a person who's like, yeah, I can save up for a month and I can buy a draft booster box. Awesome. But guess what you can't do? You can't save up for a month and buy a collector's booster box that costs $250 that has all the full art foils and foil cards that you want. You just get a regular draft booster, and you don't get to get any full art like foils. You, you might get a full art, but not a full art foil, and not of any of like the big-name cards. Like, so, like, being in Magic so long, I have been witness to... I saw a Beta Mox Emerald pulled out of a, a Priceless Treasures pack of Zendikar during a draft. Like, the, the shop owner put it in the safe and then walked the kid to his car. You know? I, I during Kaladesh, I pulled a Gauntlet of Power masterpiece in my, in my draft deck. Or in my, uh, my sealed deck. I still, like only got like fourth place or something because i suck but uh but still non-commanders but i still dude i tell you opening that card was just like christmas all at once christmas my birthday it was it was like holy shit i just pulled this ridiculously rare card it's sick it's foil masterpiece gauntlet power and um I had a great time with it during draft, slotted it into a commander deck. You know, all that shit got stolen. That's a story for another time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I don't have it anymore. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that the average Magic Joe should get a shot at these ridiculously cool full art, extended art uh, foils, just like whales. Yeah. At a lesser rate, obviously. Like, I don't even yeah. care. Like just put them in there once and once a case or once every two boxes or three boxes or whatever. I mean, for me, my best memory of cracking packs is literally Hour of Devastation. Hour of Devastation, I believe, or Amonkhet, one of the, the two. I can't remember. Yeah, and I cracked a Locust God, and then right after it was the uh, Aggravated Assault Invocation, and it was the last pack in the booster box and i had opened up two booster boxes and like that was probably like maybe about eight months into me playing magic and i was just like so pumped i was like jumping up and down in the living room like yeah dude showing my girlfriend check this out oh it's so ultra rare i was like so pumped but now it's just to the point where it's like Oh, well, just spend 250 you get a collector's booster, and you get whatever you want. They're all, you know, it's all, they're all masterpieces. Like, it, it's like masterpieces don't exist anymore. Now it's just, if you got the money, you just buy them. Sure, it's still a lottery about what you're going to get, but you're guaranteed going to get, you know, like three. Yeah. You know, and it's just, 
it's and then they just take it all out of the regular boosters and it's like you know it just really hurts the feelings of like the smaller people who just can't afford to spend it on that so kind of is like feels bad so all in all um like i said dale and i we've given some thanks we've given some thanks to wizards for some of the things they've done and and uh, you know the cool products that they've been releasing but um Overall, Christmas wish list is uh, please, please stop some of the things. You know, I think we've made that very clear. You know, our positions bring back MSRP. Let the let the regular people who play Magic, you know, who are trying to just crack packs and, and get these ridiculously rare cards, give them a chance, and stop printing things for Commander. That's all I want. But uh, yeah, if you if you all have any. Uh, suggestions or thoughts about what you would like to see wizards do or complaints well don't give us complaints about wizards we do that enough already but (laughs) uh, give us some ideas about what you would like to see you know in in newer magic sets or or things like that hit us up on the instagram the commander's vault and uh you can hit up mtg survivalist that's dale yep wait it's mtg underscore survivalist yep correct you can hit up dale and you know let him know your thoughts you know we like talking to you guys and uh it's definitely good to get some community input, especially when uh, we've had a few beers and we're just kind of riffing, you know. But, uh, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, this is the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. I'm Dale. Have a good evening.